Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast. It is, of course, Monday morning. We are recording bright and early and I love nothing more than kicking my week off with the Betfair boys as per usual. This week, a little bit low on the racing front, quite a quiet racing week to reflect on. A few news stories, though, so we're going to rattle through the racing review. And then, of course, we've got a huge week coming up. Irish champion stakes, Betfair super sprint, so much going on this weekend and as a result we have two racing better podcasts coming to you on thursday and friday so stay tuned for them loads of content coming your way ahead of what is a massive racing weekend uh boys very quick check-in brendan duke have you been racing this week how are you um, I'm in good form, Vanessa. Was was I racing this week? I was. I was in Bellius Town on Wednesday, uh, l- losing money, continuing the theme of the last few few weeks. But a uh, very enjoyable day. Uh, lo- lo- lovely weather and great views out that part of the world. Good news. Good news. Um, Kevin, you're looking. Why are you looking sort of pensive and confused this morning? What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm I'm in good form, Vanessa, and I'm in good health. I fear that you won't be in good form or good health if you keep calling the Betfair Sprint Cup the Betfair Super Sprint. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. That is bad the, form. Should we start? Betfair Barry head, head butting the wall and it's only early in the morning. <laughs> Sorry. The Betfair Sprint Cup up at Haydock, of course. It will be a super sprint, though. That's the thing. That's where I'm going it's going to be a super race. It's going to be a super duper race um tc let's kick straight on with some racing to chat about as i said sort of a bit of a meek and mild racing weekend but some performances to pick up uh we will well actually all over the shop we will start with sandown please um heredia has been introduced for the breeders cup mile at 20s having won the atlanta stakes at sandown a first group race success for her which kind of surprised me i feel like she's already notched that up but not a bit of it this was her first group race taking the listed race when we last saw her apparently they were talking about the breeders cup mile before this race they're definitely talking about it now but do you think she has any hope over in santa anita or is that a complete long shot she's currently 20s i want a bit bigger than 20s um obviously she didn't really kick on from the sandringham win last year but very impressive at haydock pretty impressive at sandown but she was only beating a 100 rated filly by three quarters of the length so I think talk of a Breeders' Cup mile is a bit fanciful, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I feared that too. But they're a team that would like to have a stab at something like that. So I'm sure those people love to get on the plane over to the Breeders' Cup and they'll enjoy it if they can. Um, Let's talk about some two-year-olds though, Kevin, because of course Ablan won the Solario Stakes on the same card. Um, A welcome winner, I'm sure, in group race company for the Appleby team. But people crabbing the form, Starlaw well beaten, Mortlake beaten. Um, Ablan's been introduced at four, well, cut to 14, sorry, for the Dewhurst from 25s. are you one of these people who are crabbing the form? He kind of toughed it out, having been keen early. Yeah, sure. You have to be a little bit crabby, I suppose. <laughs> uh, it didn't look uh, well. It looked like it could be a strong group three, but when you look at the form, um, Inish Fallen, you know, who, who, in fairness to Inish Fallen, it is entirely conceivable that he has improved because he has improved with all of his starts. But on his previous start, he was beaten in the nursery of eighty-seven. Um, so it, it does seem to put a bit of a cap on it. But like you say, did things wrong, toughed it out. 
um, can surely do better again, just the second start of his life. But, you know, is this a horse that's going to make up into, you know, a Dewhurst contender? Um, I'd say highly unlikely, but um, they might shoot a bit lower and uh, might be able to keep progressing. Okay, to confirm right now, I'm not crying at your assessment of Ablan's run in the Solario Stakes. I've just got moisturiser in my eye. So that's a bit of a disappointing start to the show. Stingy eye, well, Brendan. Stingy eye. Well, you'd be entitled to cry, Vanessa, as a, a, a fan of English two-year-olds. Where are they? Where are these English Where two-year-olds? Where are they? I mean, British, should I say, because uh, they, they, there is some of the listeners. But British two-year-olds. Um, I mean, Rosalian, he, lo- he looks a very promising sort. Van Deek's a proper horse, but you wouldn't say he's a guineas prospect. I don't know where these British two-year-olds are at all. I feel like Aiden's just going to have his way with them in the autumn. Well, isn't that, yeah, I mean, his two-year-olds feel as good as ever, if not better. And meanwhile, any British two-year-olds seem to be missing in action, as you say, Brendan. Uh, We can stick with the two-year-olds, though, and we'll mention Classical Song, who also won at Sandown for the Rafe Beckett team, but in the table colours, Brendan. Uh, Were Mm. you impressed with her? She's been cut for the Phillies Mile to 10 to 1. Oh, you'd have to be impressed. I mean, she was a short price. I, I, I won as she was entitled to, but that Goodwood form when she was second to a filly of Dominic French Davis's Ammo Racing, who, whose name escapes me, who subsequently went on to be second in a group two in France. And Classical Song was notably green that day, missing the break, uh, more, more professional on Saturday, put the race to bed really well. And uh, King Rafe, if, if, if there are some decent British two-year-olds out, of there, uh, out there, he might be housing them. And she's an interesting filly with definite group one aspirations. Yeah, table colours in Rafe's yard, not not seen that regularly, Kevin. What's the story behind that? It's a quick answer. Um, why not? Very good trainer. Um, yes, but they, they, they do... Um, Doreen's colours do you do see them appearing in, in different sorts of places so it's not a not, not a complete bolt from the blue not a complete bolt from the blue no that's fair enough um sticking with two-year-olds just because we might as well rattle through a few of them Brendan Los Angeles um a Camelot two-year-old for the Aidan O'Brien team won at Tipperary on debut um mm. I was going to ask if you were there but you've already cleared up that you weren't there but nice for I was oh he looked a big boy on the telly is he yeah Scorpy boy Scorpy boy um I, I was quite impressed with him now like I don't think that the clock would now would have been set alight by this because they went pretty steady um, but and look, it opened up lovely for him. Um, Joseph's horse, Surfers, Surfers Paradise, was a little bit raw off the bend and opened up some room. And Jamie didn't need a, a second invitation, but you'd like the way he did it now. And um, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be unheard of for Aiden to introduce a very nice one at Tipperary. And uh, yeah, I was quite impressed with him. Now I'd say he'll boot on. Um, yeah, you know, we know what the Cam- we know what the Camelots do. They drive on with time and distance, you know. So that was a lovely start. Well, that's the only snag, isn't it? The full sister, be happy. I remember losing my mind over her when she won first time out in Cork and she didn't kick on. So, no, she's not a bad filly, but she didn't make up in the filly I was hoping she was. But, I, yeah, I, I was with you. I thought he was very good. When they crawled around, he'd no mm. problem laying up. And he had to hit that gap as well. I mean, I, I know Joseph's horse let, gave him the opportunity, but it wasn't a, a gaping hole or anything. Yeah. He showed a bit of heart to... Should have learned plenty. Yeah, he does look a talented horse. Okay, positive nods for Los Angeles then. Um, a bounce back to Sandown, TC, for you, because we should have meant, oh, I should have 
picked up dual identity who's been cut for the Cambridgeshire having won big handicap on Saturday and very fine style. I mean, his career best performances have come at Sandown. He obviously loves it there. Will he be able to transfer that form obviously up in class in the Cambridgeshire? He's now 12s from 33s after this performance. Yeah, well, he finished third in the Cambridgeshire off a of mark of 91 last year. Um very impressive win off 87 on Saturday, four and a half length win. So only gets a four pound penalty for that. So he'll be on the same mark as last year, going in there in better form. I'd imagine he'll be four and a half lengths for that. I imagine he'll be about four pound went in as well under the four pound penalty. Yeah, so fully understand why he's been cut to 12 to one. Just come back to Sandown and Ablon. Yeah. Um, I, I think people are are getting the real wrong end of the stick with this Charlie Appleby. I mean, he's it's not stable form that's the problem with Charlie Appleby. It's stable strength. Now, if you go and have... I mean, ITV just lost their minds on Saturday. I mean, he was just talking absolutely drivel, the whole lot of them. Charlie Why? Appleby... Why? What were they saying? Well, they were saying, oh, military order. How can you back Ablon with a stable so badly out of form? Well, it's just nonsense. I mean, Charlie Appleby has got the best strike rate of any trainer in the UK this season. He's operating at 28%. So the stable form has never been an issue. It's the stable strength, and they haven't got the top guns. So, um, well, it's, it's a step in the right direction for Appleby. But, yeah, coming back to dual identity, yeah, we'll fully understand why he's cut to 12s because, uh, like I said, even under the four-pound penalty, he will be well in. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Just might as well pick it up whilst we've got time, that Appleby angle with the lack of class, because... Kev, it's not like, I mean, you'd have to go back and look at like the book one, book two results from two years ago or whatever the sort of um, time frame is. But, you know, they didn't have a lull in spending. They haven't had a lull in breeding. They haven't had a, there's not an obvious reason why they would have a gap in class right now, which I find quite intriguing. Yeah, like it's quite, it, it's quite stark. Like I know that there's, I might not get it right off the top of my head, but it isn't, hasn't there been like a sequence of big festival meetings where they haven't had a winner? You know, Royal yeah. Ascot, Goodwood, York. Like that. that's pretty stark stuff now for an operation of, of that strength and depth. Um, you know, and not, not just in terms of, you know, class horses, group one horses, but they're normally like chock full of high class handicappers that win at those meetings. Like, so it is quite, it, it would take your eye and you would ask why. Um, because they're like you say, nothing has seemed to have changed. You know, the breeding operation, which has been booming in recent years, you know, I don't think anything would have changed in that in such a short space of time. And if they were certainly good and active at the sales at the top level, so it's a it's a bit of a funny old one. It's yeah. it's quite interesting. I think Godolphin are being quite cute about this because I think there's a there's a um, there's a kind of like um, there's a section going around on racing TV, isn't there? Interview with Charlie Appleby talking about his past glories and stuff. So I think they're getting on the on the front foot from a PR angle. And I could be mistaken, you you guys would know more than me. Hasn't um, Sheikh Mohammed been buying quite big recently as well, given the, the lack of stable yeah. stars? Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't, there's definitely not been a lack of spending or a lack of buying. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I just the, 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 thing, the thing you have, like the thing you have to consider, like is the, the three-year-olds of this year, like were the yearlings of of twenty twenty-one, like so there is a there is a bit of a lag, you know. I'm sorry, the yearlings of um yeah twenty twenty-one. Um, so it's not like you know this is something changed last year and they're feeling it this year, you know. It does it, can be, it does go back a couple of years, you know. 
Yeah, but even I think if you look back, yeah, it takes you to go look back at the sales results. But it, even in the last sort of five years, I don't think there's been any specific change in the buying. But yeah, but sure, Jesus, like such as their breeding operation, they should you know, they should be perfectly fine if they never bought a yearling. You know, That's um, true. like they've got an unbelievable depth of a depth of mares and and stallion power to use. You know, so yeah. it's it's a bit unusual, but it's probably something that in the fullness of time will be filed away into the into the blip category. But even Aidan O'Brien has the odd fallow year, doesn't he? The odd one. Yeah, definitely not this year. I think there was Um, one year he only had seven Group 1 winners, all right. Yeah, Yeah, poor old old Spencer's year. Spencer's year, I think they might have only had three or four. Oh, right. um, which was like the all-time shocker for right. Spencer was in wasn't bad. Oh. It wasn't Spencer's fault. Now he was just a bad look at it. Talking so about tiny. Spencer, he actually he won a nearly million pound race, didn't he, at uh, Kentucky yeah. on Saturday night? Oh, Ancient yeah. Rome. It, I mean that is Ancient Rome. I mean Fitri Hay had they had two hungry winners under Dottori on Saturday, and obviously they went over there and, and caught. Uh, 980 grand for winning a I think it was a grade three brilliant price yeah. like like Kentucky Downs is a bit of a quirky one we've talked about it before like it's it's this track this like look completely different track to anything else in America um more much more like uh, like a country Irish track than an American track and um they have a casino on site and they've pumped the prize money up to just these otherworldly levels um but but one thing to consider is that you're only at, like you. You see the 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 prize money pots there in ancient Rome won nine hundred and eighty thousand pounds, the equivalent of. Um, you only you're only eligible for the full pot if you're Kentucky bred, yeah. which I'm pretty certain. Which I'm pretty certain he is. Yeah, you, you get right. basically half. You get basically half the money if you're if you're non-Kentucky bred, and it, it's not the world's easiest place logistically to have runners. Um, Joseph had a winner there last year, and it, it's not super straightforward. But um, yeah, given the money that's there. It, uh, I'd say some will consider yeah. jumping if we're jumping through the hoops as Cherry Hills. Yeah. Brilliant place, yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting. When it won a Goodwood, yeah, great, great place. Didn't Jamie made some comment about you know the basically nearly being a million pounds up for grabs for a race that could be run at Brighton or something? So it did. Yeah. I, I looked at the video of it, it did look a bit Epsomish, Brightonish, didn't it? Because yeah. The, yeah, it's, the funny. it's a funny it. place. All we've around the track on, later on. Move on. I'm getting told off for going off piste here, but um. Fair credit to them. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about all things French racing because Jan Barbaro had a hell of a weekend, guys. A hell of a Sunday, really. Zagre won um, the Grosse Prix von Baden over in Germany, getting up in final strides, laying sort of down his claims for an arc tilt. He's now being cut to 12s. Would you have any interest in that, Tony, um, in terms of Zagre's profile for the arc? Hotting you up sticked now. me up there, didn't you? I was just having a bite of banana. I thought you'd have gone sorry, one sorry, of the two others. Um, <laughs> I'm a little Englander. I've never heard of that horse beforehand. And I went back and looked at this form. I don't know why, because obviously, second to West over at Song Clue, third yeah. at the Shima Classic. Yeah, um, very, very good. It was like it was a very good weekend of French racing, wasn't it? I mean, the Moulin was, was quite striking. I think it was the first time in about 25 years it's been an all French field. Um, for that group, uh, for that group one, so it just shows you kind of like the lack of depth we have over here, class wise, where we've seen it in the Eclipse and we've seen it in the Judgment. And, you know, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there was an English runner on the card at Longchamp, which is highly unusual because they've been so strong there for the last few years. But I think the perception is that there's a bit of a renaissance there amongst the French for yeah, whatever, the re- for whatever reason happening. this year. 
Yeah, and Zagre was very good. Like his form has lifted up to a new level this year, in fairness. And um, that Mr. Hollywood that he beat, like has been a big kind of high parse in Germany. And um, now it was a funny old race, like the, the third looked like he was going to win and he like he hung and he's probably chucked it away a small bit. But um, now would, would Zagre win an arc? I, I don't think so. Um, but there was a horse at Longchamp, um, Vanessa, that, that I was quite impressed with, Horizon Door. Okay, um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. He he's a very smart horse, I'd say. Um, he's really he, got the profile of that, like improving French three-year-old gelding who we're going to see around for not yeah like seasons to come. Do you know what I mean? Like he's got that yeah. kind of slow upward trajectory, and he's still only- yeah. He like he won't be allowed to run on the arc, unfortunately, as a gelding. But I think he he's a very smart horse now. And um, if he came over for something like the the British Champion Stakes, he could fly a little bit. Um, under the radar, but I think it's a ten to one shot. Or so still, for uh, yeah, so he's, it, he's currently uh, fourteen to one for the champion stakes from twenties. Yeah, if, if if they decided to come, he'd he'd be, he'd be very because he's fast. He's a fast horse for a middle distance horse, and uh, yeah, I've been I've been very impressed with him lately. Yeah, um, Brendan, let's talk. If we're talking about two year olds not being in Britain, then one of the best two year olds in Europe may well be in France with Bovatier, who's now four from four, stepped up to Group Three company at Longchamp, uh, sort of won the race in a matter of strides, and mm-hmm. now looks like the Jean Luc Lagardère is on the cards rather than the Dewhurst. He has been cut for the Dewhurst from nines, but another one for Jan Barbaro, as I said, a, a stellar weekend for him. But how good is Bovatier? Well, I, I mean, we don't know. He's going in at these uh, sh- sh- short prices. I mean, he's won a, won a listed race, then he steps up to Group Three. It's slowly, slowly. Although he did start in 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 early May, so I suppose he's had four runs at this stage. But they're they're, they're in no hurry with him. They evidently see him as a sort of a, a, a miler, maybe a ten furlong horse in time, which is quite possible being by uh, Lope de Vega. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really impressive. The horse was one hundred to thirty on. Um, he, he he's clearly come well advertised, and he's going to be a big runner in the Jean Luc Lagardère. However, I'm sure Aiden has one of his chess pieces marked for that. So we get we get a little matchup between the Irish and French two year old form, and won't completely dismiss the British two year olds. Although we have grave concerns, I suggest some of us are crying over it already. <laughs> like Vanessa, like I'd say this fella could be could be like the the bare form you can poke at definitely, but like for and Luke de Vega out of a Sea the Stars mare, like big middle distance family, like Jesus, he's very sharp. Like he won over five furlongs and he, and he's winning these races with pure turn of foot. You know, so yeah. look, it'll be it'll be a fair step up in class when he takes it. But Jesus, he looks smart now. He looks very smart. Uh Jan Barbaro, Vanessa, what a trainer he is. We will get to see him on, on Irish shores next weekend with a bit of luck. Well, yeah. We will get to that later on in the week. Let's not get distracted. Let's not peak too early with the excitement levels, Kev. This is it. Uh, grinning from ear to ear, Kevin. Now, uh, I think that about wraps up the racing recap, does it? Does anyone have anything else to mention from the weekend? TC's touching his head. Brendan's I suppose we. No, I suppose we should give a shout out to Jim Bulger, shouldn't we? Clever and cool. Go on, on her, then. Yeah. On her on her eleventh start of the season, and I mean, she's a finish. She gets warm before her races. She strikes me as a paddock bluffer, as uh, quite hard on herself. But he he just keeps running her. She's now uh, 
I mean, she's no star, but she won a listed race three runs back. Then he he ran her in the in the Cambridgeshire. Why not? Back at the handicap company, and then he bangs her in a Group Three on on Sunday, which she goes and wins. Quite impressive, actually, given she missed the break. You think she'd know better at this stage on the eleventh start of her season, and that Matilda Picot. Uh, who, who got first run is is now mug. So she, she appears to be thriving on her racing, as uh, Jim Budger likes them to do. Well, she's currently 16s for the matron, but surely, I mean, on what we know about her so far, surely yeah. a step into that sort of class would might be. A oh step. no, I'd say runner. Oh, I'd say I'd, I'd say runner. Um, he might run her in a handicap midweek, but I'd say you'll see her in the matron. All right, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. That, like I said, wraps up the racing review. Um, let's move on to news and views. And we are going to kick off. We're going to rewind to last Monday, bank holiday weekend, uh, bank holiday Monday over here, but not a bit of it in Ireland. And meanwhile, Charles Burns, all things Charles Burns team, tips on down to Dan Patrick, has a three timer, doesn't manage to pull off the four timer with a favorite, but three of his runners win. But the big story was more about the running of anyway he won a race for trainer ken buds he opened up at 28 and was backed into even money favorite on the day it was the same race it was in the same race that charles burns trained carlos was withdrawn due to an injury in transit and there's some confusion over this horse's transit route to and from the track the ihrb are investigating the running of anyway and the circumstances behind Carlos's withdrawal. Um, as I see, said, there sort of seems to be some confusion about the horse's whereabouts, including um, the fact that the IHRB sent someone down to the Burns yard and Carlos wasn't there, hadn't got back yet. So there seems to be a lot of um, different strands here. TC, I will start with you. In what's the story here? Is it the Charles Burns sort of three-timer, four-timer not coming off or much more about uh, the horse anyway and the Ken Buds factor with the connection to Charles Burns who obviously bought the horse and sold it in the early part of its career? Yes, it's like Dick Francis on steroids, this story, isn't it? It's, like, it's just, just absolute madness, isn't it? Um, three-timer, no problem. Everyone thinks of oh, the fourth horse. Um, that he had on the card was gonna was gonna oblige as well, but that one took an almighty work from four to seven to seven to four on the show. Jumps off nearly last. His race was over when he ballooned the third, so someone knew that horse wasn't going to make it four out of four. So I think that will be a fair investigation because that was a that was a big show drift. Uh, and then you got anyway winning. Um, a horse bought by Charles Burns for 20 grand in 2021 showed nothing, very, very little. Uh, some big prices early doors, but again, it's the, it's the show gamble that's uh, that's the interesting one. Freeze into even money for a for a horse with that profile. It's um, and obviously Charles Burns had a fancied runner in that Carlos. He was on the way to the track. Apparently had a little hiccup there. Pulled over. Saw it was sweating. Someone was travelling behind and took the horse home before getting to the track. Um, Charles Burns... That, that, that's that's yeah. contested. Yeah, I know. I was just yeah. about to say, Charles Burns disputes that, saying he wants, the, he wants the CCTV footage from the track to confirm that your horse got there. But there's been some conflicting kind of like suggestions, including from Burns, about what actually happened with that horse. Uh, the the IHRB went to the stable in the evening to see the horse. The horse wasn't even there. 
Um, it just an absolute fuck fest, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like I mean, I don't know where they start with this. I honestly don't know where they start with this. Be, um, and you know, he, he, and I, I, I said to you on the WhatsApp last week, the crying shame in all of this is that not there are not many better trainers out there than Charles Burns, and it's just they just it's just the, like a game to them. Uh, and I and I said it's very similar. You know, Prescott goes down the so Mark Prescott over here goes down the cerebral route trying to, you know, plot a naught to fifty-five handicap all the way up to naught to ninety in about two seconds. It's kind of if, if these trainers concentrated getting high-end horses and go there, I mean, he, you know, he he'd be sitting at the top table. He'd be sitting alongside Gordon Elliott and Willie Mellons in terms of ability and, and class with horses. It's just it's just even like I'm, a, I'm it's a very look, it's very Barney Barney Curly esque, isn't it? It's kind of like he, he will split people down the middle. People think, oh yeah, he's a genius of a horse. He, they they know they're going to win, but at the same token, it, it just seems like a bit of a wasted talent to me. And it also seems like if you have to back a double when you back a trainer's horses, one that is going to be that's going to be the day, and he's also going to win. It's it has to be off-putting for, for, for punters. And, and I, I don't know where the regulators start with that story because, you know, they seem to have got their story straight before they're actually, you know, actually running the horses. So it'd be fascinating how it plays out. But if history is any guide, it's going to be about 2027 before we, we find out what's going on here. I, I, honestly, right. I, it, it turns me off even as a punter and I can see the, I can see the kind of like talent involved. Brendan. If you you have all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle scrapped mm. out in front of you as TC's just laid out, when you put the puzzle together, what does the end picture look like in your mind? What do you think's happened here? Come I, on, I I think I because he's he's clearly a very very shrewd man. I mean, I totally agree with Tony. They're a very hard firm to root for, but uh, he, he that he's added a wrinkle to this trying to put three and four together in terms of landing a touch. And what you do actually is that knowing that the last one is going to be cut and put in artificially short, um, that's the one that you actually don't fancy. And you could maybe put mechanisms in place to go about laying that. But I mean, that, that, that that's a complete guess now. That, that, that would be the thing that would make the case for you. I actually only fancy three of them. The fourth one, it's going to go in a stupid price and then there's going to be some liquidity around close to the off and you can start hitting the pink button for all your work. Hit the pink button until it turns red, Vanessa, on that one. But uh, that's that, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a guess on my part. But what I found most interesting, and I haven't got a lot of answers, you're not going to like this asking you questions, but you know the way when you watch these uh, bank job heist films on television, they have everything planned down to the nth degree. I, I don't understand this wrinkle about whether the horse did or didn't get picked up on the motorway because. As I said to you, I was in Bellystown during the week and Bing Bob being horse number seven in race five is a non-runner due to change in ground. I don't think there was a change in ground from the 48 hour, but they just said change in ground. So they could have just withdrawn the horse in the track. No bother. Or exactly said he got upset in the in the horse box. So I don't really understand this, this wrinkle of, of whether he was or not picked up on the motorway by someone who just happened to, well, the, the owners who just happened to be travelling in behind. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's tentacles all over the place here, and most of them seem to be Charles Burns' tentacles. 
The horse got upset in the stall uh, in the in the box because uh, Charles Burns told him it wasn't racing, and he got very upset about it because he wanted to run. <laughs> um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on this? Obviously, there's plenty of focus on the Ken Buds trained anyway, and rightly so, really, given the past connection with Charles Burns. But he would, I'm sure, claim that we're putting two and two together and getting 28. Um, I fear that might not be the case. What's your view on that? Um, look, from a betting point of view, talking to people like more... Um, more submerged in the betting industry than I am. Um, like the that's the betting story is Anaway was the was the the gamble on him. Like, you know, the headline is whatever 33 into even money, but really, you know, it takes the price of probably two bags of chips and a chicken burger to get a horse and turkey trees into fives in, in these circumstances. But it's to get it from fives to even money. Um, like you know that's a any price will do approach that you that you that we've we've seen a couple of times in recent years, but but you don't see it very often, um and like that's the betting story, which which wouldn't be what you'd expect to see Charles Burns having three winners. You know you hark back to, um I suppose the the famous slash infamous day at Ross Common when he landed that extremely lucrative treble, um God how many years ago was that? Not a million years ago, but I don't think from a betting point of view talking to people that wasn't the story here. The story was Anaway. And then, of course, look, you have the you have the 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 elements with, with Charles having bought the horse as a as a store horse, etc. That that links in. You know, I always I, I used to watch Barney Curley's um, antics quite closely, and one you'd always see Barney's fingerprints on some of these gambles that he would have had, even if they weren't in his name. I don't know if it was on purpose or I mean, probably, I assume it was on purpose, but you could always, if you dug down deep enough, you could always find some connection to, to the man. And um, and with there being a connection to Charles here, um, people will inevitably put two and two together. Um, and look, I, I I don't think we're talking outside of school to say, look, the IHRB are clearly gunning for Charles Burns and have been well, for some time. Can you just imagine the... Kerfuffle, obviously, in the stewards' room in regards to this, you know, Carlos withdrawal and the anyway run and win. And then the call's been made from the IHRB to somebody to say, get down to Charles Burns's yard and see if that horse is there. Like, you have yeah. to be after somebody. And they, and, and they, and they, got, they got there they got, they got there so quick, they got there before the horse yeah. arrived back. <laughs> and someone guns uh, down. I'm imagining it in, like, a sort of mini or something. Someone's gunning down the motorway <laughs> to Charles Burns's yard, tips up and uh, demands that they want to see this horse, Carlos, and some blokes there, like, he's not even back yet, Pat. Like, well, the thing is, is that down Patrick to Ballangari is a very, very long drive. There wouldn't be many longer drives in Ireland than that. Um, but look, look, there, there's outstanding in, in, inquiries there and referrals with with, with the Burns stable already relating to Ilat. That um, look, as Tony says, look, is it, they're in the system now, and we know that these things take ages, like years, especially ones with any um, betting related, um, you know, tentacles and offshoots. So this one has been thrown into the mixer as well. Um, um, anyway, got referred for the improvement in form. And um and I think there was also an a referral re with regard to the withdrawal of Carlos. So these have all been thrown into the mixer. It's going to take ages to work out. Um and on on we go. Um, like Charles is is firing firing pretty regularly now. Um and he's not missing loads. And uh, yeah, if you look at um this is the nature the nature of the system. It's uh, when it, when it takes so slow to work these things out. Um, you know this these are the situations we we end up in.
Is that is that syndicate that someone sent through to the group? Is that was that kosher or was that just a wind up? I'd say it's kosher. Yeah. They mightn't have registered the name yet, but they're clearly going to do it. It's a two two fingers to the IHRB, isn't what, it? What, yeah, it really is. is. It's the Hitch and Hitch and Trader Syndicate. <laughs> decent fans, to be fair, it is decent fans. I, I, just just before we move on, I just think looking at any way's form, I do have like my definition of a good trainer is they can tell you when a horse is going to win. Uh, certain big name trainers can't do that because it's a numbers game. But looking at any way's form and just just looking at that horse being backed as if you know defeat really wasn't an option into even money. I do have a grudging admiration for for that kind of activity. I think it is in. I think it's essentially off putting for um, yeah for punters. I, I think when Charles Burns have a horse, it's getting into the realms of when Wesley Ward used to have runners at, at Royal Ascot. People used to kind of like bet without Wesley Ward, and and I think. Unfortunately, it's going to go that way with Charles Burns if this continues, because as like I said, as much as it's a brilliant training performance, it's it's not great for the sport, is it? Well, again, just to wrap it up, if anyone has Ken Budd's mobile number, you might pass it on to me because I'd love to get him on the, the racing league team with Ireland next year. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know what made the difference? The first time cheat pieces. <laughs> The application of drum roll cheat pieces. Yeah. Yeah, first, yeah. first time, first, first time yeah. cash is a, is a potent first time cash. Um, <laughs> we we bypassed congratulating you on the racing league. By the way, Kev, you mentioned it there. We can't go show without you getting it in. But obviously, last time we spoke to you, we we're all full of confidence heading to last week's racing league up at Newcastle. You thought the Irish were going to have a good week and they did two winners. You played the Joker on the right time as well. Not as many winners as you might have hoped for, but you must've come home relatively happy. Kevin. Well, I had a double Vanessa. I don't think anyone's ever had more than a treble on, on, on one of those nights. So it could have went better, but it went well. And um, yeah, yeah fi fired up for Wolverhampton. Now we've got some big bullets to fire. So it might not be yeah. a bad time to keep following the green. The Irish are on the comeback. Uh, let's move on because we've still got other news topics to discuss. Uh, John Dance, please, boys, focus your minds into Wealth Tech and John Dance. Uh, the Times ran an article this week um, focusing in on the fact that a whistleblower, uh, well, everything's gone quite quiet on the John Dance situation of late, but this has sort of reared its head again. So this whistleblower article in The Times, um, a chap called Gary Stockdale, who had worked for John Dance for 10 years, raised major concerns with the Financial Conduct Authority two years before this all came to a head. So back in 2021, um, and he's since claimed that they didn't listen to the red flags and the concerns that he was bringing up. The quote was that he claimed that they were the most basic of red flags and the fact that WealthTech never submitted audited accounts and was never authorised to hold client money and funds seemed like pretty basic, as he said, and large red flags. But the FCA didn't pick it up at the time. Um, they sort of kicked the can down the road by all accounts. There was a lot of email exchanges. And now Gary Stockdale's come out and said that they were essentially asleep at the wheel two years ago. Um it's pretty depressing stuff if something like this can be ignored, but I just don't know enough about the intricate details of how the FCA works, um, Kev. But from a racing point of view with this, all over the Times article, it's John Dance, the racehorse owner. And just the first thing that I thought when I finished the article was it's just such bad press for racing. He's sort of he's 
he's put out there as this like racing person. The picture is a big picture of him in a winner's enclosure with Lawrence in the Times. It's just depressing, I find. Yeah, sure. Look at and it's it's the way these things tend to play out. You know, his sins weren't committed in racing as such, but um, those are the associations the people will draw. And sure, look at I suppose you have to be wary of commenting, but there has been an awful lot put into the public domain, like specific numbers of how much money is unaccounted for and things like that. And like it, it it's deeply concerning, and it's probably quite a short price not to end well. Um, but sure, look at it's probably the the responsible thing to do is to wait and see how the, the official investigation pans out. But um yeah, like, like there was a fair few John Dance related bloodstock um, you know, that has gone through the sales in recent months. And um I'd say when the when the big sales come around, there could be some very flashy ones um from that ownership turning up. And I dare say like I wonder will will Lawrence appear to sale? Um which would cause a bit of a, a furore, I'd say, um, because like I say, a lot of the lower level stuff has been has been sold off. And if we end up where it seems this is going to end up, there's going to need to be a clawback of um of, of funds. And um that's how you do it. You sell assets. Yeah, indeed. Uh, TC, do you have anything more to add in regards to John Dance? I mean, it just seems like an extremely deep mess at this stage. But from a racing point of view, as Kevin said, it's gonna be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays out with those assets. Yeah, well, we probably should name check the guy who seems to have broken the story. Was it Jack Gilbert? Did I see? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just the idea of kind of like, you know, this wealth and it's unsubstantiated wealth. I mean, did we get anywhere with that guy who bought twenty million pounds worth of horses on tick and they had to be resold? Did did that get? Yeah, mo- well, most of them have been. I think pretty much all of them have been resold. Yeah, it's, um, just, it's just that more money you get, the less scrutiny involved. It's just bizarre. You yeah. hope to find myself in that situation someday. No <laughs> <laughs> scrutiny for me. <laughs> yeah, loads of cash and everyone ignoring the big red I think Charles Burns just, uh, Bates, just about to find out that's not necessarily the case, though. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Well, yeah. May, maybe now we should say that may, maybe they, they, this is the price we paid again, Vanessa. I'm no expert on this stuff, like I said, but the fact that London is known as a place where a lot of business uh, can can get done and is a centre of international finance is because it's like touch regulation. So may, maybe occasionally this this is going to happen because of that light touch regulation. But if they started going in with a hammer every time, London wouldn't be as attractive an option for these finance people. There you go. Valid point, I'm sure. Um, Brendan, let's stick with you and move on. I want to talk to you about the Irish Derby, please. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Cooper piped up, uh, Bloodstock agent Patrick Cooper piped up in the Racing Post with an article making his case for the fact that he thinks the Irish Derby should be reduced to 10 furlongs. Mm. He was then picked up by Nick Luck and on his podcast this week, they had a bit of a debate with Lydia Hislop. Lydia Hislop very much on the side of keeping it at the 12 furlongs and Patrick Cooper making his case, as I say, for dropping it to the 10 furlongs. Uh, is this even something that is an option in terms of over in Ireland? Are people thinking about this? Is this something or is this just someone's opinion or is it a viable option for the Irish Derby to try and get it back to its glory days? I know. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate question, as, as you say. Uh, I, I, the ultimate 
decide decision will be made would be whether Coolmore wanted to go back to ten furlongs or not. They get to decide right what distance the Irish Derby is run on, uh, which, <laughs> which is which is which is completely fine. No, you know, you know he's right, don't you? You know, no, he's right. no, no, I'm, on, I'm on the I'm on the pattern committee. It's not right, <laughs> Blake. Blake, you can be easily bought. Don't worry about that. Yeah, Blake uh, just wants cash. Yeah. No red flags and cash. I want no scrutiny. Uh, we, we have digressed that Kevin will obviously get his, his, his right to reply to my scurrilous allegations. Uh, so I suppose there was that run where Latrobe, Sovereign, Santiago, that wasn't a good space to be in. Oh. And and you could say that if, if someone came back at me and said, uh, well, this year there was a non-jigger in the Irish Derby, I'd say, yeah, that's not a brilliant look either. So, so uh, there are definitely some concerns. It, and it's, ha- it's had some low blows. It's had some uh, yeah, low blows. Um, and we're trying to get it back to the glory days of when the French Derby winner and uh, the, the Derby winners would compete in the Irish Derby. And there's no doubt they, they, they were the glory days and getting it back to 10 furlongs. I mean, I, 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 I've heard this argument as well that you could have a de facto three year old triple crown where you, 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 you have a Guineas, a Derby and an Irish Derby over 10 furlongs, which is, seems a lot more attractive than it's more the American model, three races in a short space of time over the over those three distances. It seems more realistic than the ledger as a triple crown, which is a complete anachronism. Although the lads have their eye on that as well, if a, a little a touch of nostalgia from them. So I suppose it's not impossible if, if they go after it. But I think this would be a more likely three-year-old triple crown. Of course, it would hurt the eclipse, but then you don't a huge amount of three-year-olds going for the eclipse anyway um so all this is a very roundabout way of saying on balance i would probably put it back to 10 furlongs to try to attract the the, the, the french derby winner uh, over to, and to make it more attractive for, for guineas winners to run over 10 furlongs i can't that believe be, I, brendan's brendan's absolutely blow i had a little quiz for you about uh, who won the irish derby between hurricane lane and sovereign and Brendan blew it by actually naming him there the 2020 Derby winner. I, I, oh. I went, I went back to the last winners, and I'd never ever heard of that horse, Santiago. <laughs> never heard of him. Come on, now. He's probably standing in India with Chindit at the moment or something like that, isn't he? he he's a very promising national hunt stallion down below in Cork. I'll have you. I, I, tell, uh, I, I clicked on the racing <laughs> poster. I clicked on best progeny, and it's. It brought up nothing, and I just bought. It up. hasn't had a runner yet. I was late. All right, sorry. Steady, steady. Yeah. Uh, come on, then, Kev. Um, you are, as you say, involved in this. You could be involved in this decision. So tell us, what what would you like it to? What what's the case, I guess, for it to be dropped back to ten furlongs? Brendan sort of um, outlined some of it, but what would be the nitty gritty case for the ten furlongs? Well, look, it's talked about every single year. Um, on the committee, it's always on the running order um, because it is an ongoing point of concern. You know, from a ratings point of view, that the race isn't performing, it still doesn't have the, the clout that it once had. And the question is always, right, what do you do? And there's always uh, a number of different options, like throw more money at it, um, you know, change the distance, change the date. You know, all these things are considered. Um and look, the, the the case for dropping it is dropping the distance is quite interesting, um, I think. And the, 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 it's not a strong view, but like the the thing you have to consider is the way the, the, the European pattern works, and you can't just do what you want. 
um, unfortunately. Um, it has to lay into the puzzle. And as Brendan points out, like the eclipse, it would be a factor here. Um, for all that, maybe only one or two or sometimes no three-year-olds rock up in it. If the Irish Derby was making noises about being dropped a distance, you can be sure that um, Sandown and perhaps the, the British Pattern Committee would, would rear up. Um, but like in, in a world where you could move the puzzles a bit more liberally, you know, I think it would be very interesting to have a 10 furlong Irish Derby maybe a week later. You know, as Brendan says, like it would, you would hope, become a staging ground for, you know, the, the St. James's Palace horses that want to go up and trip, the Irish Guineas horses that want to go up and trip, the, the Derby winner that wants to come down and trip, which they often do, you know, the French Derby winner potentially. Um, like it could be a right hole melting pot. Um, and the thing is that once you get past um, like the Irish Guineas and the Irish Derby, like if you have a, if you have a three-year-old, like you're pretty much obliged to go in against the olders. And if there was one last option, you know, forgetting about the, the St. Ledger for the minute and a couple of others, but if you if you'd one more three-year-old only group one option in Ireland there in that slot, it would potentially be really attractive and could potentially deliver the type of spectacle that you want it to be. So like that's the case for and the case against was was laid out by Lydia, you know, history you know, do we want to move the move the the you know the breed in that direction as you know, but then you look at what happened in France and you know, dropping the distance was probably the best thing they ever did in the pre de jockey club for for the race. So it, it look, it's always a really spicy debate and there's always strong opinions, but there is a there is there you, you could make quite a compelling case for taking that action if, if you're that way inclined. If committees are involved, it's gonna be run over a mile free. um tc we've got a we've got a few more points to rattle through so we will move on from the irish derby but to be continued clearly on that front uh premierization of british horse racing we Mm. spoke about this i don't think it was last week i think it was the week before and basically um in many ways the bottom line was we hadn't got any firmed up plans from the bha on the real details and the nitty gritty that we need we're two weeks on from that discussion tc do we have anything more to add because obviously lee motter's head was on uh the morning the opening show what they called morning line the opening show with itv and ollie bell discussing it this week but what more actual facts do we have to add in at this stage since a press release on may the 25th nothing right so um <laughs> it's obviously it all it might factor in. I mean, a BHA have got journalists; they run things pass by, and obviously there's journalists on the committees, including yourselves. Uh, and clearly, they briefed heavily certain journalists who who coming out as fact about what's going to happen, when's going to happen. But the, you know, the fact of the matter is, there's been nothing official statement from May the twenty fifth. So everything seems to be. Well, I saw the Lee's interview. Lee's very very good. You know, he's very factual, very measured, very good on camera. But the fact of the matter is, Ollie should have asked him, where are you getting all this information from? Um, now, a good journalist, you know, should be getting this kind of background. But it's a matter of kind of like they're being fed, they're being fed stuff. And then, and it's a drip feed out afterwards. And I haven't got a clue about what time or, you know, what times these, you know, the summer tracks are going to start, what time they're going to finish. Uh 
I don't I don't know a thing about the, what the betting rights that Lee was talking about, anything like that. It's just like if certain journalists have been told, then I, I think the BHE should just come out and, and do it. I mean, I put some out on Twitter yesterday and someone came back to me with very, very detailed stuff about what's going to be in it. Um, and God knows how he's got the document. But if, if the document's out there to certain selected journalists, then I think we should all have it. Yeah, I think that's probably a fair comment, but there's um, obviously some people are more informed than others at this stage, but there is still a case of we need more details, more facts, more details on the premiarisation of British horse racing. I'm sure it'll be coming to us at some point. Well, um, they don't. They still don't know where the dough's coming from. They? So they don't know exactly how much dough they have. That, that, no. That's a snag, right? Yeah, okay. Well, well, so we don't know about the betting. We don't know about the levy input. We don't know about what courses are going to get shafted. We don't know what time that some are going to ask to start in the morning and what time some are going to start after the 4, 4 p.m. It's okay. kind of like... And we took, and the interview was all about, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. We've got no detail. How can you have an opinion on premiorisation when you don't know any of those facts for sure? I mean, I, I'm told it's 99% set in stone. They're just quibbling over what BHA fixtures they're going to allot. But right. and if, that, if that document is doing the rounds and the BHA are giving it to certain selected journalists then they should have the balls to come out and stop flying a kite and just stop drifting it out there and, and let the journalists do their work for them and test in the water. They should get out there and give an update to May, May 25th. Well, we don't know who has what information at this stage, but all we do know is that once the facts are in the public domain, we will be discussing it, no doubt, on this show. Well, um, I don't have it, Vanessa. We have no repeat of that uh, situation, which appalled you when uh, I got the uh, decks for Cheltenham. Uh, fuming. So, we were so, fuming, yeah, Brendan. Yes, yes. Yeah. So don't worry. When you started laying the non-runners, that's when we were getting annoyed about you, Brendan. You'll, 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 you'll be down on the list with the rest of us, Brendan. Um, let's talk about race. Get close to that mic, Vanessa. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm as close to Hello. Um, let's talk about race course attendances. Obviously, York's Ebor meeting usually ram packed to the rafters, but whispers. Uh, I haven't got the figures, but people saying that it wasn't as busy as usual, specifically on the Friday, which was Ladies' Day. This ties in with um, a couple of stories that have been doing the rounds about on-course bookmakers and punters returning to the betting ring in the era of, obviously, bet restrictions, but more prominently affordability checks that sort of rages on. And then there was a story in the Racing Post about bigger punters returning to the betting ring to get their bets on as a result. But what were the numbers behind York, TC? Because you flagged up, they, it was pretty depressing reading. It, it was, I was going to mention it last week, but I totally forgot. Someone, I met someone for a drink on the Saturday after the Friday at York, and he was there. And he said, um, have you got any, do you know how many people are at York yesterday? I said, no, I don't know. And he said, well, I was there. And he said, I, you couldn't believe how empty it was. He said, I went into any bar after the third race. And there were spare tables everywhere. And 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 it ties in with what, you know, uh, the Racing Post did a story on Star, uh, Star Sports pitch about how many bets they took. Mm. Over four days at York, they took 2,245 bets with a turnover of 110 grand. And out of the 110 grand turnover, 30 grand was one reported bet. So take out one bet. They, they took 
turnover of 80 grand at four days at one of the biggest festivals of the year. Uh, and they just said um, it's cost a living crisis. And I just thought it tallies in with what I've been seeing as well. I mean, there's an excellent uh, HBLB levy board site where you can actually type in uh, the, the date of the meeting uh, and you get the actual the, the the official attendance figures. But there's a massive lag on that. So we haven't got the, the York Friday figures as well. But I'm just thinking Sandown on Saturday on TV, looking at on ITV was the literally the emptiest I have ever seen that track and many other tracks as well. It, I, I know there was a train strike. I know it's the last Saturday before the kids go back today, but it just looked literally a ghost town. And we know the, you know, the problems you know, Newcastle have had getting figures there. I mean, that looked pretty empty as well on TV. I mean, you were there, Kev. I don't know how, how, how sparse it was there. It, it just hammered home to me is, you know, I think the cost of living crisis is really going to kick in with attendance figures. Um, and, you know, if you can't get there when you're giving subsidised tickets and stuff like that, I, th- I think it's a worrying trend. As And like I said, for taking just like a high profile pitch, virtually taking 80 grand in turnover in four days, it's, I found it shockingly low. Yeah, I mean, you would know more That's about what numbers sh- should read, but the year on year comparison in that article was pretty strange. Mike, Mike. I, I literally can't be any closer to the microphone. I think you need your mic. Your, your mic. Your microphone's a bit watery, I'd say. Did that surprise you, Brendan? That that those kind of figures for a, a big meeting like York. Yes, well, p- particularly with Yorkers, they're so conscious of uh, the, their ticket prices and famously sh- champagne. Uh, they they are very good in, in terms of the customer experience. They don't take the piss with, with prices. And also, I thought that attendances were generally going very well this year. Royal Ascot, the, the people I talked to, uh, the bookmakers, who uh, the Irish bookmakers who go to Royal Ascot said it was absolutely flying and the turnover was as, as, as good as ever. So uh, I, I thought we were... On a um on, on an upward trajectory, but it does make sense when you when you put it like that. But the economy. From memory, I think the, attendance the, figures at Tuesday and Wednesday at Royal Ascot were were markedly down. I think. All right. Okay. But okay. no, uh, it could be. I mean, it makes it makes sense what you say. If 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 people haven't got the money and the, the economy is in trouble, then I suppose one of the first things that's going to go is the luxuries, like going to the races. Yeah, and the fear is, is once you've knocked that luxury off your list, do you go back to it mm. once your coffers are a little bit more full? That's what I always want worry about. But anyway, we need to wrap up, guys, because that is this week's show done and dusted. As I said earlier, we are back with two racing only betters this week, Thursday and Friday coming your way ahead of the Betfair Spring Cup at Haydock and two days of Irish Champions Weekend. Cannot wait for that. It's going to be a belt of a racing weekend. So we're going to have loads to discuss. Brendan grinning from ear to ear already in anticipation. It's a huge weekend and an Indian summer, my, possibly my, my, my favourite phrase in the world is Indian summer. And uh, we're having one at the moment. And I think it's to continue all weekend. I know. I'm at Haydock on Saturday for Bet Fred Spring Cup Day, Brendan. Of course. No. <laughs> I didn't call it that. Hey? I did, I no, didn't that was me. That that. Was no, he, he did that last week, oh, didn't he? Barry okay. nearly had a coronary. Oh, he did, yeah. And then what with me calling it the super sprint? Poor Barry. Jesus I, Christ. I, I'm like I say, I'm there at Haydock on Saturday, and Paul Keeley's given me permission. I've already written the intro to my uh, to my Haydock uh, Betfair Sprint Cup piece. He's given me permission to do a story from 2017. We'll make your hair stand on end if you had any. Oh. Oh. Wow. I'm looking, for, looking forward to that. 
God, that's a real teaser and a half, isn't it? Love yeah. it. Okay. Honestly, I've, I, it's absolute. I couldn't. I feel it was about ten years ago, but it was six years ago because Decorated Knight won the Irish Champion Stakes afterwards. But oh, yeah. the most frightening thing I've ever seen on a racetrack or near a racetrack. Wow. Okay. Stay and tuned I've been to quite a few entry ladies' days as well. So that, uh, that tells you a lot about what it is. Right. All right, lads. That wraps up the show. Thank you very much, as always, for your contribution. Listeners, viewers out there, thank you for joining us. And stay tuned. As I said, Thursday and Friday can be your way with racing any better. But for now, have a good week and enjoy that Indian summer. Bye.